Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Michelle Moulton. And this week we're going to talk about making time for marketing. Indeed. <laughs> my favorite topic. Yeah, of course. It's actually probably one of mine too. I want to start off with a little anecdote. I probably have shared it before, but it's perfect for this particular show, which is I was doing a group coaching session and someone, you know, I had like maybe five or 10 people in there and somebody asked, you know, how much time should I uh, be devoting to these, you know, I just described some marketing activities. How much time should I devote per week to these sorts of things? And I was like, yeah, about, I don't know, like 20 hours. <laughs> and everybody was, <laughs> everybody's virtual heads exploded. They were like, I thought you were going to say like an hour. And I was like an hour. And and so the, the issue with folks in my world, especially folks who build by the hour still, is that they don't get paid when they're not working. You know, when they're not billing, billing, not just not doing admin stuff and not, you know, learning new technologies. You don't get paid for that. You don't get paid. For, you only get paid when you're on the clock for a client. So the tendency is to work more and not leave yourself a lot of time or energy at the end of the week to do anything to build your business. You spend your entire week building something for someone else's business, and that's great. But at, at the end of the week and at the end of the month, and hmm, before you know it, at the end of the year or the end of a couple of years, you haven't done anything to build your business. You've just been making money by renting out your hands or your head, but whatever the, whatever the case may be, if you're on the clock all the time, there's a tendency to devalue things that you're not billing for. As someone who's been inside of big consulting, I'm sure you've seen that infect the culture there thoroughly top to bottom. Oh, yeah. If it's not billable, it doesn't get done. Yeah. So the sort of the air quotes trick is for my folks anyway, when they're trying to make the shift away from away from billing by the hour and into activities that are going to build their business, it's to sort of minimize the number of hours per week they're billing. And I'd, I'd say like try and get it down to 20 while you're doing some of these activities on the side, because I don't want anybody working 60 hours a week. That's not sustainable. I try and get your billable hours for a little while down to 20 so that you've got 20, okay, maybe 10 hours a week, but 10 or 20 hours a week to do some marketing to activities. And we can talk about what all those are so that you can start attracting clients the right way. I want to say like attract clients that are better clients that are, that you can engage with on a value basis or a fixed price basis of some kind where there, there's real profit built in. And then you can do things like, and then, then you start to create this little virtuous cycle on the side. It's almost like your own little side hustle where you maybe create a productized service or a product and then you market it and then it attracts buyers and then wow, profits, geez, I didn't have to do hardly anything and I still got tons of money. I'm going to try and do more of that. And I try to get them addicted to it, to that sort of like making money while you sleep feeling. And you have a tendency to want to do more of that and kind of build them, build up from there. It doesn't happen if you don't make time for it. Even when you're not billing by the hour, it can be hard to create, I would call the marketing habit. Yes, that's what we're, we've got to talk about doing that. Because one of the ways I, I look at this on average is a day a week for marketing. And it's not like you necessarily say, oh, Monday's my marketing day, but you set up your systems and your habits so that you, you maybe average a day a week. Now, if you're just starting, it's going to be more. Let's say you've developed some of these courses and things, and so you might find that you spend more time on marketing, but you're making more money, so mm -hmm. you don't mind doing it. Right. Another way to look at it, 
like a an objection that I get from people who are trying who like just but I just want to bill I don't or I don't want to do marketing I just want better clients it's like well (laughs) good luck with that yeah good luck with that so if you want better clients you know more better clients that are happy to pay you higher fees like there's no way around it you got to do some marketing and but that can look like lots of different things that maybe you wouldn't dear listener maybe you wouldn't classify as marketing per se for a software developer it could be developing a really popular open source piece of software that you post on GitHub and like people love it and they use you know maybe build a bunch of open source plugins for Shopify or apps for Shopify or gems for Rails and before you know it clients are like geez we're using all this person's gems maybe we should hire them to build out this new thing that for which there is not yet a gem or you know it's probably Greek to most people listening but the idea is marketing activities don't have to be like spamming people on LinkedIn with like lengthy connection requests, you know, check out my website and do you need any, you know, yeah, that gross kind of, that's just like pushy, bad outreach, which probably works enough or they would stop doing it. But, um, but that's not what we're talking about. There's lots of different things you can do for marketing, but if you don't make time for it, it's, it's not going to magically happen. Well, exactly. And, you know, I think of it in terms of a mindset, And it may change as you go through your different business cycles. But marketing should always be on your mind if you have a business. That's part of the mindset. You never let it go. You could flip it around and say, if you don't do marketing, you don't have a business. Yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? Think about any company. What are the roles that they pretty much definitely have at the top? You've definitely got a CEO. You've definitely got a CFO. You definitely have a CMO. I've seen plenty of businesses that had a CEO and a CMO and no COO, no CTO, no CIO, or that's just like a VP of technology and they report into the COO or whatever. It's like, it's even if I'm overstating it, it's certainly an extremely popular executive position. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason that these people get paid a lot of money because marketing is a very important business function. In fact, Drucker said, I think it was Drucker, said that there are only two functions of a business marketing and innovation everything else is a cost those are the two value creation areas and i didn't believe that when i first read it but over time i've started to see his point and because i'm like well someone has to do it it's like yeah but that's a cost like let's just say it's very important (laughs) (laughs) so you you said you block out or not you not that you block out a day a week but that's sort of a rule of thumb like you know a day a week of marketing maybe it goes up maybe it goes down but how do you personally block it out for your business or or how do you spread it out? Well, I'm a big believer, as you know, in the show, because you and I go back and forth about how we schedule things. If it's not in my calendar, it doesn't get done. So I block out every Monday morning for my long form blog post, which goes out on Tuesday. So when I'm really good, I've got at least a week or two in advance. And when I'm not, I'm writing it the day before. I don't miss that. No matter what, I do not miss that. And then the rest of my calendar, I'll put in things like I'm writing daily now. It's interesting. I don't actually block out the daily writing on my calendar because I fit it in with other things. But in, in my ideal world, I write it in the afternoon, line it up, and then release it the next morning. And I do that because I find, for me, afternoons are a good creative time. And I find that it's much more creative versus if I write it in the morning, it's going to be a little bit more procedural. It just seems to come out that way. I also schedule some social media time. There's a lot that I do that's automated. I will schedule that in my calendar. 
when you're talking to potential clients, which some people would call that selling, some people, especially people who come from big firms, lump everything into marketing, where, where I'm having a conversation with someone about their issues. You know, I consider that quote unquote marketing that gets scheduled as we go. Oh, then there's this idea of, of dead time. Some people call it gap time, where you just find yourself with this time on your hands. And, you know, the classic is you know, you're waiting for the dentist or you're traveling and your flight's delayed and you have some time. I use gap time for social media. I have to be in social media. I, I don't love it just to be in it. I like to be in it when I can have interesting conversations and learn something or connect with interesting people. So that'll be, I'll tend to do social media in gap time. And it might be, sometimes it's, um, I'm making dinner and I've shoved something in the oven. And so now I have 15 minutes and gee, my computer's right here. I'll do that. So it's scheduling and then it's making use of gap time. Yep. Yeah, so very similar to uh, oh oh you forgot one thing your very popular podcast. Oh, how could I forget that? It's funny. Yes, that's true. Um, our very popular podcast. Yeah, Tuesday morning. I mean, and it was funny, Jonathan, when you and I did this. I, I don't remember whose idea it was. I, I really don't. But somehow we we decided we would have a regular recording date. And it, when we have guests, they don't always easily fit into our, our time slot. So we'll record when that's appropriate. But I love knowing when we're going to have the podcast because it gives me time to be sure I'm thinking of ideas. You and I can sometimes uh, Slack, message each other in Slack back and forth about ideas. Having that schedule for me makes it actually more productive. I'm interested to learn that you don't really schedule the dailies as much as you schedule other things, because that's my normal. The way that I squeeze everything in, so to speak, is that I've got essentially two different models set up. One where I've got for things that are weekly, I do need to have them in the calendar because weekly is not enough for me to, to have like a habit. You know what I mean? It's like not going to be automatic. I'm going to forget. You know, so it needs to be in my calendar, which this show is and other shows that I do are, are also in my calendar. And I have one show that I do solo that's not in my calendar. And I just do it whenever I feel like doing like a recorded answer to someone. And I just do that whenever I haven't done it in a while. It comes and goes. It's kind of like, um, but since, since I'm doing this show and other shows, you know, it's just one of those things like it's, it's just taken a little bit of a backseat. And then I've got in the middle, I've got my YouTube channel, which I, my VA is heavily involved in. So she <laughs> chases me and it's not, it's not a specifically scheduled time. And I've got other complications around, like, I have to be in the office to do that because it's video. And sometimes people are drilling construction in the base, you know, underneath me. So I have, it gets interrupted. So it's, uh, it's a little bit more fragile. I think the schedule around that is a little bit more fragile because there can be lots of, I can't do it from anywhere. And even when I'm in the correct place, sometimes I also can't do it. Mm -hmm. So she just chases me. She's like, we're out of videos. I'm like, okay, I need to prioritize this. And then I'll put it on the calendar for like the next day or whatever. But um, that's kind of in the middle where I play it kind of loose and it's a, it, it comes out three days a week. So it's like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm. So the weekly stuff like this show, I have to have in the calendar or I'll just stop doing it. And the stuff that's, you know, three times a week, it's kind of on my mind, but I've sort of outsourced that daily and she just like keeps me honest. But then the daily stuff, 
how do I remember to do it? It's like asking, how do you remember to floss your teeth? It's like, it's just something you do every day. So, or something I do every day. I have those things in any of, any of my daily habits I have in a recurring to-do list. So it's not in my uh, calendar. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was sitting here going, how does he do that? Because I just keep, <laughs> talk about old fashioned. I keep a sticky note next to my desk that is what I'm going to do today. And I just add those daily things on there because I just, they change every day. Sometimes I'm ahead on one thing, or it's like when we're posting the podcast, I have to write something and I want to make sure I do it in time for my VA. I couldn't, I couldn't remember them if I didn't write them down. So I'm glad to hear you're writing them down, Jonathan. I have them written down. Yes. Digitally, of course. Yeah. So every, every morning I wake up and I've got my to-do list, like Groundhog Day, you know, like it just comes back to haunt me every day. It's not just work stuff, but it's like, like floss is literally on there because my dentist was getting on my back a couple of years ago and she's like, oh, you know, you really should be flossing every day. And I was like, fine. <laughs> I put it on my list and I've, I've literally flossed for like two years every day, every single day without missing a day because I put it on the list. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this a little bit when James Clear yeah. came on the show, but like what else? Do how I how long is the list, Jonathan? Like it's just roughly? T- 12 or 15 things. It's a, my black belt exam is coming up in a, in a month or two. So I've got like practice your defenses, practice your forms, uh, stretch. So the, like those are three sort of, mm, you could call it health or like lifestyle or, or exercise type things. I've got three drink waters. I never think to drink water. So I put drink water on there three times. So I have to drink, you know, it's like silly stuff like that. But it also it's um, daily email. What else? Fast. I've been doing, you know, for about a year, I've been fasting from like 10.30 p.m. to 10.30 a.m. And it's just stuff. It's like it's like simple stuff. But if, if it wasn't on there and like even though I would pretty much remember to do the email every day since I, I slotted into that slack time like you talked about or gap time the same way, like where I'll, I'll either get super inspired by an idea. Maybe I have a conversation with someone and I'm like, Oh, that's a perfect email. And I'll like type it up real quick. Or the other real common thing for me to do is like after the kids, the kids are kind of winding down and, and going to bed and stuff. I'll just sort of like sit there in the dark by myself and like type it up and just glass of wine or whatever. And, uh, it's like a great way to end the day. So it just, you know, but I do have it written down, so to speak, and it just comes back on my to-do list. Everything I wake up the next morning, boom, they're all back. So I think part of this is in terms of making time for marketing is thinking of it as a deadline because you know, if it was a client deadline, you'd meet it. Right. So why isn't it just as important to make your own deadlines and meet them? I mean, these don't feel like that to me. And I've, I've heard people say that before, like, put yourself first and like pay yourself first and you know, all these things. <laughs> but like, if you're already not doing that, someone's saying it to you, I don't think is going to help. I think it's almost a personality type or like, uh, and, and I'm that type where I'm just like, well, no, I'm going to be last. But so I don't feel like these are deadlines for me. It's more just, just reminders of things that I know I should be doing. It's really as simple as that. The thing that really keeps me on it is the streak. So it can be hard when I put a new thing on there to, it's really like, I really have to be like, oh, I got to do that. I got to do that. It's like, it's not hard, but it's more hard at the beginning. And then after, I don't know, three weeks, I'm like, I got a streak going. I'm not going to break the streak. I'll wake up out of a dead sleep and be like, I forgot to flaws or something, or I forgot to drink a glass of water or something like that. And <laughs> I'll just go do it and go back to bed. 
because, you know, life gets weird. I've got kids they are doing, you know, different stuff and camp and the schedules are never, our schedule is just like chaos. So it's really not, not realistic for me to have, to take all of these daily things and actually put them in my calendar. I'd just be shuffling my calendar all day, yeah. you know, like moving yeah. stuff around. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I, I feel the same way. But I think part of the process, if you're, if you're not marketing now, somehow you have to find a way to fit it in. And so I just think when you start to think about what it is you want to do and you start breaking it into to-dos or tasks, it makes it easier and it will actually get done. That's the key for most people is you, you got to start. And then once you start, you just keep doing a little bit at a time little bit every day. It's so yeah. much easier to do a daily. Like people are like, I mean, you just started doing daily emails and I, I know you're still in this sort of honeymoon phase. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it probably, it probably doesn't, I don't know. Do you tell me, how does it feel? Does it feel like an automatic thing? Like, yes, it's written down, but is, are you into a groove yet or you, does it still feel like you're forcing it? Well, I think I'm into a groove now because, you know, Monday is always the podcast and Tuesday is the long form. So it's the other days. And I've been consciously, I do consciously think about things that might play better over the weekend when people are maybe not as serious or not as likely to open a, a work email. So yeah, I think I'm in, I think I'm in a groove. I mean, obviously I could be better. That's what I want. I want, you know, each one to be a gem, um, <laughs> but you know, we haven't quite gotten to that yet, but yeah, I feel like I'm in a groove and I enjoy doing it, which I think is the, is the other piece, because I think when you enjoy something, it's sustainable. And if it feels like horrible dragging work, you're not going to do it. Right. And that's how, when I, I, for a, some period of time, call it six months, I don't remember how long it was. I was good about blogging every Monday morning. I'd publish a blog post. This is years ago. I made like a public commitment to do it, which I think is another thing. We haven't touched on that yet, but I think that's a big deal. So I made this public commitment. I'm going to blog every Monday on a particular topic. And this, in fact, was the beginning of Hourly Billing is Nuts, the book, which was those blog posts that I wrote during that time. And, and I hated it. It was like every Sunday night I'd be ready for bed and be like, Oh, I forgot. I have to publish a blog post tomorrow morning. And what am I going to write about? And I'd just be digging for ideas. It was torture and writing daily. I look forward to it. I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to write today's email. It's like, it's, it's like one of my favorite parts of the day every day. But let's loop back to that public commitment thing, because I, I know that that has a big, that is a big effect on me because I feel like it's kind of like making a promise. I'm like, I'm kind of careful about what I make a public commitment about because I know how I'm going to feel if I miss it. Even if nobody, even if nobody cares, nobody remembers, I remember. And it's like, I am a loser. How did I not like, how did I make that bold? And this is funny because in the back of my mind, I'm getting ready to make a huge, bold public commitment for 2020. <laughs> it's still scaring me. So, <laughs> Oh, good. I like yeah. those. Yeah. So I'm being careful. Like, But like when I do that, like I'm thinking it through because I'm like, do I really want to say this? When I do, though, when I finally do, maybe I'll do a I try not to do too much research. I just try and do enough to like calm myself down or at least get to the point where get a little bit of feedback where some people are like, yeah, that would be a, that would be cool. And if I'm scared of it, it's probably a good idea. You know, it's like, 
something crazy enough to be remarkable or different or, you know, whatever. It seems like most people I talk to, they have a healthy fear of making public commitments for this exact reason. So that leads me to believe that if they did make a public commitment, it would give them motivation to follow through on it. I mean, sir, I know you're like that. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know if you saw that email in the last couple of days from Seth Godin about his 11 years of, of yes. daily emails. And it made me ask myself, wait a minute, how long have I been doing weekly emails? And so I went back and looked and I also am at 11 years, but weekly at the end of August 2019, but weekly, which is very different. And my, I've always met my commitment, but I have taken time off for vacation. I'll sometimes not write something for two or three weeks in August or a week at Christmas. So I guess I wouldn't apply for a streak, but I've met my commitment. And, and that you think about what does it mean to write for an audience every day for 11 years? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's commitment. I did see that. I recently crossed a thousand. So I'm like, I'm like over three years in, but I'm not, I'm not as, I'm more of a Bob Lefset style schedule wise where it's like a little bit all over the map. Like if you look at the clock, sometimes I post after midnight. So I'm really sending two in one day and I didn't send any the day before, but it all boils down to 365 per year. It's a different style than like Seth's like comes out at the same time every day. Yeah. You know, he must write it the day before and schedule it. Uh, so it's more regular to kind of maybe encourage the dear listener to maybe make a public commitment to do some sort of little marketing thing every day. Honestly, I swear to you, I swear to you daily is easier. It's just a small thing every day. It is so much easier. It's amazing how fast it adds up too, because you just said, you know, like 11 years, you, uh, you and Seth Godin have both been blog, <laughs> blogging for well, 11 years. He, he, he was daily. I'm weekly. Big difference. Yeah, right. So he's got seven times more posts. Typically your weekly ones are much longer than his daily ones, but it's a massive amount of, of content. You would think that people would get sick of it, right? Like the audience every single day, how could they possibly, right? But, but people email me when they didn't, like if something goes to spam, they're like, oh, I didn't get, I didn't get yesterday's message. Or if they accidentally get unsubscribed, which does happen, they'll be like, they'll be like, did you stop doing emails? I haven't gotten an email. Like, like people email me to be like, how come you're not emailing me anymore? <laughs> how does that happen? It happens because you start to get, when you write that much, you start to get kind of good at hitting doubles at least. You know, I'm not going to hit a home run with every one, but if you practice a lot and you, and the other thing is you get tons of feedback from people. I mean, I've got probably 200 emails in my inbox right now from a message I sent this weekend. And it's like, you get better practice. You, you get, get better. better. Yeah. Yeah. You're helping yeah. people. You're getting feedback. You're, they're asking you, they're giving you ideas for products. It's like, it's such a great thing. So, you know, people will say to me like, oh, well, when I'm trying to encourage a student to start marketing, making time for marketing, they're like, well, I posted, I posted my first podcast episode and like, I didn't get any leads. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I'm not even oh. kidding. I'm like, there's a difference between farming and hunting. If you want to hunt, you just go spam people on LinkedIn and cold call people. And that works. You'll get dinner. You'll get dinner that way. But if you don't like that approach and you don't want to be a hunter, you know, you know, that's not a one or the other thing. But if you want to be less hunter and more farmer, 
then you can't expect to like plow the field and be like, where are my tomatoes? <laughs> I can tell you're not a farmer because one does not plow tomatoes. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Corn? Do you plow for corn? There we go. Corn. <laughs> okay. Corn. So I love it. Um, yeah. Where's my corn? And it's like, <laughs> Um, it's going to take a minute and you're going to have to work every day, but it's, it's the kind of work that's the work itself is very rewarding. I don't particularly enjoy the hunting type of, I just don't enjoy it. It's, it's an act of desperation. It can be very hit or miss. Of course, there are people that are great at it. We were actually talking about a few before the show, but it's just not my style. I'd much rather be a farmer, but you know, and most of the people I work with would rather be a farmer than a hunter, but you can't expect to plow the field and have, and be eating like dinner that night from it. So you have to carve out time to do it every day. And it's actually really fun. Like once it starts growing and the, <laughs> the not the tomatoes, but the corn is coming up <laughs> or whatever, whatever you planted. And then it's not as much work to keep it going as it was initially to get it started. It scales way better than hunting, but it takes time. It definitely takes time and you, and you have to, and it takes commitment and you have to come back and do it. But after a while, you can take a vacation and the corn's still going to come up. I'm probably stretching the metaphor a little too far now, but the amount of effort can stay small, but the returns can grow and grow and grow. It's great. And at that point, then you're really building a business. Well, I also think deference to your, your buddy with the one episode podcast, you do have to be drop dead honest about what you're doing that isn't working. And sometimes, you know, that's hard. Now, obviously, we don't think a one-episode podcast that didn't get any leads, it's too soon, right? The jury's still out. But I think one of the things that can happen is, is you can get into a rut of doing something because you've always done it. And sometimes you just have to step back and, and really critically look at what you're doing to see if it's worth the investment that you're making in it. If you're doing a podcast and you're 50 episodes in, you know, what is it doing for you? And it, again, it depends on why you did the podcast to begin with. Did you do it to build your authority? Did you do it to experiment with an idea that you want to create a book or a program with? Did you do it to get your name out? Did you do it for clients? You know, why did you do it? And then how well is it matching up to your expectations? And sometimes we're, we're pleasantly surprised we did something on a lark because it seemed like a good idea and maybe scared us in that moment. And then, wow, people are listening. They're talking about this. I've gotten clients from it. You know, whatever the, those outcomes are, we, we do have to be drop dead honest. It's it's way too easy to just do things because because we're doing something, because it feels like we're doing something. And then social media sometimes can fall into that. You can fall into that trap in social media. It's like, oh, well, they're retweeting my... Actually, I, I did. I used to do a, a thing called Daily Spark. And it originally, it was just a quote. And it was always positive, something to kind of spark your day. I got a lot of retweets on it. And then I got a little fancier and started creating... Well, my VA created a visual that went with it. And then finally, I just stopped because I was like... I'm putting a lot of investment into these daily sparks and it's nice that people enjoy them but it's really not about anything else that I do it really isn't and so and I had a I had a daily email list for people who would get the daily sparks and I stopped that I stopped creating them I still use quotes and things but I saved time on that that I could use for something that was going to advance my business versus just a nice to do that's a great example 
And I think we talked about this on the episode of Should You Start a Podcast? And we definitely talked about it with the Should You Write a Book episodes, where step one is decide what it's for. Something like a podcast or something like Daily Spark, you know, what's it for? Is one thing to be like, oh, I have a good idea. This would, you know, and it's kind of like, I have a good idea. And then what you're really saying to yourself is, I see a lot of other people getting retweets or like whatever it's called on Instagram when somebody shares or whatever. A lot of people are getting shares or retweets or whatever with these sort of inspirational quotes that are fancy looking. Yeah, that's a good idea. And it's like, well, that's a tactic. And how does it fit within your strategy to achieve your objective? What? My what? My strategy and objective? I just want to get retweets. That, that'll turn into something, right? And it's like, well, maybe, but if you have no objective and you don't have a strategy, then every tactic looks reasonable. I mean, that's not really the topic for today. It's like not deciding what marketing to do. It's so that you perhaps convince people that it is possible to carve out time to do marketing and it is important to do. And the, the natural follow-up to that would be like, okay, what do I do in that time? Like, how do I decide what things to do? Because there's a near infinite number of marketing things you could do. You just have to be drop dead honest about what's working for you and what isn't. And and sometimes it's a matter of, you know, if what you're really focused on is client work, then you say, well, is this bringing me clients? Like as an example, Twitter, Twitter has always brought me clients. I am not going to stop doing what I'm doing in Twitter. I, I may change tactics, but it's a platform that works for me. Funny. Twitter's never given me, I've been on Twitter since the beginning almost. And it's, I don't think I've gotten one client from Twitter. I, at one point I did a blog post about how much money I'd made from Twitter. And I, I I'd have to go back and like add it up again, but I, I'm sure I'm over a half a million dollars in revenue that I could directly attribute it, attribute to Twitter. Nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's not like I sold something on Twitter. It was that their relationship was sparked on Twitter. That's how they found me. That's how we started talking for our listeners, they can do exactly the same thing on the different platforms that they're on. You just have to figure out how people are connecting with you. And you don't have to spend your time on, on seven platforms. There's probably one that's going to be key. And then you've got, you know, another one or two where you're, you're sharing some information. Mm, yeah. Just almost like we could do an episode on marketing activities and how to decide which ones to do in your copious <laughs> free time that you've carved out. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Cool. So hopefully we've convinced you at this point that marketing is important and that you should and can carve out some time to do it. Rochelle, I think you're kind of alluding to the, you know, you don't need to do a million things. Just do a couple of things well, have a goal, see if they're achieving, you know, like come up with some metrics that are like, okay, I'm going to do this for X amount of time, not one day, not one week, but maybe six months and say, okay, is this, is this moving that needle that I was hoping it would move? But if you just, if you don't know what needle you're trying to move, then six months later, you're going to be like, I don't know if this is working or it isn't, but I do it every day. So I might as well keep doing it. And then you could just be wasting your time. And the flip side is you could get really lucky right out of the shoot. I mean, that's, that's happened to me in social media when I first started and I went, wow, this is a tool I can use. I'm going to pay attention to this. And so, you know, you just don't know. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to stop something just before you're going to have that breakthrough. So you just have to think about it really strategically. And it's different for everybody. You know, what works for Jonathan doesn't necessarily work for me and vice versa. It's about what works for your business model and the way you like to work. Do the thing that's easiest for you. 
So like if you're not great on the mic and you don't like the sound of your own voice, don't start a podcast. Start a daily email list or or do something else. There's a lot of things you can do. You might as well just pick a couple that that are just real natural for you to decrease the friction as much as possible because that is not going to help. I mean, just if you feel like you're you're forcing it all the time, it's probably going to come through in the content and, and in the regularity of whatever you're putting out. So do something that you think is really easy, but do it every day and start to get used to that. I, I, I hate to hammer on the everyday thing, but I mean, there's plenty of science that proves that daily habits are way easier to create than weekly habits. So if you want to turn it into something that you might even look forward to, I would, I would say as crazy as it sounds, you might want to do something really small every day, but that's just, yeah. that's just and my it opinion. Just, it just, I think the research shows it takes about three weeks for it to start to feel sort of like your new normal. So three weeks is a pretty quick time frame if you think about it. So you can try something, start it, do it, three weeks, see how you feel about it, maybe get to four, and uh, evaluate. Hmm. Yeah, so if, if folks want to hear a little bit more in-depth talk about building habits, uh, go back to the James Clear episode. We interviewed him maybe 10 or 20 episodes ago, and this is his specialty, and he's got lots of great things to say about how to help you build habits, how to help yourself build yourself habits. <laughs> <laughs> and his uh, book is anyway. really good, too. Yes, Atomic Habits. So mm-hmm. um, you can go back and check out that episode and maybe build some some powerful marketing habits into your weekly routine. Yes. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.